Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. Hey, if you have your Bibles today, grab them and look in the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. Uh, it's, it's super cool around here to use the contents, so you don't, if you're one of those folks don't know where it's at, please just knock yourself out. It's totally cool. When you find 1 Kings, find the 17th chapter. And we want to talk today about uh, three people and one amazing God and how all this comes to pass and what all is going on. And so the backstory on this is about a fellow by the name of the prophet Elijah. And Elijah is hanging out by a brook where there's fresh flowing water and the birds are bringing him food. God is caring for Elijah. Now, it's important in the backstory to know that Elijah is a picture, not only being God's man, but being God at work. This is pre-Bible uh, times, pre-written form. This, you know, they don't have iPads to look it up. They don't have the Amplified Version. They don't have the Living Bible. They don't have the New Living Bible. They don't have the New King James. They don't have the King James. I mean, this is God's man who's delivering to people God's message. So when you receive God's man, what you're truly doing at times, you're receiving God. So there Elijah is living by a brook with fresh flowing water and birds are bringing him his meal. All right. Now you may say, man, that sounds a little weird. I agree. But this is what the Bible says. The backstory on the prophet Elijah is he's hanging out by the brook and that the birds are taking care of him. God is caring for his dude. Now, don't miss this, though, because in verse 10, in 1 Kings 17, we read a pretty interesting story. So he, meaning Elijah, went to Zarephath. Now, Zarephath is is a little town, and so God has said to Elijah, I want you to go there. Now, the reason he's sending him there is while he's hanging out by the brook and the birds are bringing him a meal, what comes upon the land is a great famine, and that famine is caused by a great drought. And so he stays by the brook until the brook has literally dried up to dust, and there's no food for the birds to bring him. And so across the entire land, no food, no water. All right, so God says, I'm going to send you to this town called Zarephath. When you get there, I am instructing a lady to care for you. So he went to Zarephath in verse 10. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread also. Now, remember, drought. Water is one of the most precious commodities ever. And so Elijah says, could I have a cup of water? She turns to go get him a cup of water. And he says, hey, could I have some bread as well? Now, it's not like they can run to the store at Publix and buy a loaf of bread. The way they're going to make their bread is with flour, with oil, et cetera, et cetera. So everything made, they have to make. So he says, oh, I, you know, I don't really want to be too big a trouble, but I want to be a big enough trouble that when, when I ask for bread, you can go get it. Now, look what she says in verse 12. But, he, but she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. I want you to make sure you get this picture. So with the drought and the famine in the land, what we have here is she says, I've got a handful of flour. So this morning, this is how much I could fit in a handful. All right? This was a handful of flour. And she says, I'm going to take this little bit of flour, I'm going to put it into this pan, and I'm going to add this little bit of oil that I have, 
and I'm going to put all that together, and I am going to create a little bit of bread for me and my son, and when we're done with this, we are going to go off and die. Okay, is that weird to you? She's making the last little bit of oil and flour in preparation to go die. So clearly what we have in this community where they live, that the famine is killing people left and right. Everywhere we turn, people are dying. This is not unusual. What she says is, I was just gathering these sticks to create a fire, and with the fire, I'm going to take the handful of flour and the little bit of oil. I'm going to cook me and my son this last piece of bread, and we're going to sit on the front porch and die. Now, let me just stop and say, I know we die from all kinds of things. Like cancer is awful, and heart attacks are awful, and we could come up with all kinds of different ways. But I have never, ever run into anybody in our society here who says, I'm going to make one last loaf of bread, maybe just a piece, and when I do, me and my children are going to go to the front porch and die. I mean, come on now. That's not how that works, is it? Well, that's how it worked then. Because all she had was a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. Now listen, the story gets a little more weird and it gets a little funky here because what you're seeing in the person of Elijah, you're seeing the power and the presence of God. So the power and the presence of God is saying through Elijah to this lady, not just a little bit of water, but hey, go make me a piece of bread too and then you can die. No, that's not what happened. So look down in verse 13. There's this response to her that had to have been a heart full of faith, recognizing God would always be more faithful than she or he could share faith. Elijah and this woman, they could display faith, but it would never equal the faithfulness of God. In verse 13, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Okay, come on now. I've been afraid I didn't have money to get to the end of the month. I've been afraid of a lot of things. Could I just stop and say, I've never been afraid that I wasn't going to be able to eat. That's why, that's why these, for these kids is such a big deal. That's why feeding through these backpacks is such a big deal. Not one time in my life. Now, I've gotten hungry. One of our daughters, Sarah, when she gets hungry, she gets hangry. I mean, it's unbelievable. When she gets hungry, I mean, it's beastly how bad she can become. And so if you happen to be going to a restaurant with her and she's hangry, if it's on the menu, it's ordered before I can get to, I'll have unsweet tea. But see, that's different for this kid. And this mom, look in verse 13, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left, prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Wait for it, wait for it, because in the pan is not just Elijah's meal, but in the pan is she and her son's meal too. What's in it for her? Listen to verse 14. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops go again. There it is. The promise of God. The promise of God screams at me and you like it screamed to this lady, sacrifice this and I'll bless you with that. Give of this and I'll bless you with that. You see, miracles seem to always be preceded by sacrifice. Miracles seem to kind of like the feeding of the 5,000 thing. 
sacrifice. Now, now watch this. You heard what I said earlier, that when we sacrifice, it's always a matter of the heart. What you sacrifice may be different than what somebody else sacrifices. For some of you, a sacrifice is $5. Last week in that massive offering, out of the Spanish-speaking service, wrote that check for $50,000. Okay, that just blew my mind. I mean, really, I was sitting at my desk and Ben's called, and I thought, that can't be right. A lady in the Spanish service writes a check for 50 grand? Come on, man. You see, this widow represents me and you. Some of us have got to figure out what is it to be sacrificial. For some of you, listen, there's a season where 50 cents is sacrificial. And 5,000 may not be to somebody else. I agree with what the King David said in the Old Testament. He said, I will not give something that doesn't cost me something. So in verse 15, the story keeps going. So she did, as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There were always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Through Elijah, God says, trust me. Offer up to God what you have, and he will never leave you where you're at. I mean, give of God, give to God what you have. Do with what you have, and you'll never be the same. I mean, I believe the the Scripture is saying to us, have a heart soft enough to be obedient to God's will. Have hands open enough to offer what you think to be impossible, and God do that. Before the last service, you know what a dude walked up to me and Hector? We were sitting over here, sitting on one of those uh, uh, woofers down there, and you know what he said? Man, listen, I I can't do everything, but I know you got those cards out there. Can, Can I just, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take 25 kids. I mean, every time you take a kid, it's about 100 bucks a piece, and I'll, I'll, I'll do 25. Well, how about that, man? You know what? He walked away like he'd been given the 2,500 bucks. You see, I think what happens is this isn't the end of the story. You see, the story goes on, and this widow invites God into her house. As a matter of fact, invites God into her house, and he resides in the upstairs bedroom. Through bringing Elijah in, she's saying, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to be faithful to you. God, I'm going to follow you. God, I'm going to do everything you want me to do. Come into my house and reside with me. And so that's what happens. God gets involved in all that they're doing, and that's when life bites you and says, wait a minute. Don't do that. Don't trust that. Look what God's done. He's making a mess and a mockery of your life. No, you can handle this. You don't want to give away your last bit of flour. You don't want to give away the last bit of your oil. Come on now. You you know better than this. But that's not the end of the story. And so the story takes this harsh left-hand turn here, and we begin to see what happens when we invite God into our world And then what happens is just like we've always seen it with the people of Israel with us. God, come into my life. Fix my mess. Provide for me. Do for me. Walk with me. Go ahead for me. Give me everything. And then the minute something goes haywire, it's like, oh, you know, I'm done with that church thing. I'm now an agnostic. I don't have to believe that. That's not for me. Look at what happens in verse 17. Scripture says, sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse. And finally, he died. Then she said to Elijah, Oh, man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? There it is. God, I was plenty cool with you when we were like doing the whole enough flour and oil thing. I mean, that was cool. Well, life was pretty good. I I didn't miss a paycheck. I didn't miss a payment on my chariot. 
Everything was cool during this time, but, but now, God, look at what you've done now. I let you into my space. I'm done with church. I'm done with believers. I'm done with this Jesus thing. No, thank you. But see, God provides when we are obedient, and then miracles happen. See how that equation always comes together? Look down at verse 19. But Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, and he carried him up the stairs. Elijah comes and takes the cold, dead corpse of this boy and walks upstairs. Now, how do we know she had invited God into her home? Listen to this. Give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, and he carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying and laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. I don't want you to miss this. Now watch. If you're wondering about how the Old Testament connects to the New Testament in this story, watch this. So there's the cold, lifeless body of her son. She is hot, man. Look what I did. God, I invited you into my house. It was supposed to be easy. Now it's not. I was cool when we had bread, but not when my boy dies. And Elijah spreads his arms wide. Are you getting the picture? And he lays on top of the boy, hand in hand, chest to chest, face to face, breath to breathless, and says, Lord God, revive the life in your child, and nothing happens. And he stretches out hand in hand, chest to chest, face to face, breath to breathless. Oh God, bring life back to your child. And on the third time, now listen, you don't have to be a preacher to see the significance here. On the third time, he stretches his arms out, hand in hand, chest to chest, face to face, breath to breastless. Oh, God, bring healing and hope and life back into this boy. And eyes opened and breath returned. And Elijah carried that boy downstairs because clearly that boy was exhausted from being dead. And the woman, his mom, says, now I know of the God we worship. I don't know what your flour and oil is. For some of you, your flour and your oil is your heart that you just won't surrender to a Christ who says, my arms are stretched out over you today hand-to-hand, chest-to-chest, breath-to-breath. Surrender your heart and come home to Christ. For some of you, your, your flour and your oil is your retirement account, or some of it is your spending spree, or for some of you, it's relationships. For some of you, it's an addiction. And Jesus is saying, stretch out hand-to-hand, chest-to-chest, breath-to-breath, come home to Christ. Listen to me, friend. Whatever your flour is, whatever your oil it is, Jesus has got his arms spread out to say to you, come to me hand in hand, chest to chest, face to face, breath to breath, and I will receive you unto myself and bless you more than you ever could. Jesus never promised that when you give, you'll get some type of 10% or 12% ROI on your money. 
He just promised he'd bless you. I don't know about you, but man, my life could use more blessing. And what I'd say to you today is don't miss Jesus. Hand in hand. Face to face. Chest to chest. Breath to breath. I will surrender all. I will sacrifice. I will trust in the blessing to follow. And I will give him glory. Hand to hand, chest to chest, face to face, breath to breath. For he is worthy because he owns everything we have. And he alone is worthy for our sacrifice, for our praise, and for our worship. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.